on June 6, 2006, National Polygamy Advocate Mark Hinkle was interviewed by Sylvie St. John for La Press. Hello. Hello, may I speak with Sylvie St. George, please? Yes, this is she, uh, Mr. Henkel. Yes. Hi, I'm sorry I missed your call earlier. I was, like, away from my desk for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, missed each other at the wrong time. Yes. I, I understand. Not a problem. Okay. Uh, before we begin, I did want to let you know, uh, this is being uh, recorded, and I just wanted to make sure you understood that. Okay, no Cer problem. Certainly. Okay. Uh, how may I be of help to you? Uh, well, I'm interested to write uh, something about uh, poly polygamy because mm -hmm. it's um, it's a subject that's being uh, it's, that's in the, the that's been back in the news lately in Canada. Right. Uh, well, first of all, I was interested to know about the polygamy rights movement in the states. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about it? Please? Sure. The uh, of course, historically, people have known about uh, the Mormon polygamy that took place in the 1800s. Yes. And there was a Mormon religion that was basically built up in the 1800s and created a uh, religious reason that kind of obligated their adherence to polygamy. Uh, their Doctrine and Covenants 132 was a doctrinal uh, revelation, if you will, of their leader and uh, pretty much said it was going to happen and uh, if the women didn't like it, well, that was too bad. And then uh, there was... A later leader named Brigham Young said that there was this idea of pre-existence of souls up in heaven waiting to be born, and so it was an obligation to have as many uh, wives, to have as many children, uh, so that these pre-existing souls wouldn't be born in the wicked. Okay. So that was, that was the original problem with what happened with original Mormon polygamy. Okay. But... And that's, of course, why it failed and why and eventually was the, the problems with that was compared to slavery and gave women no choice. But that was the reason for that form of polygamy. It doesn't mean all polygamy is bad. Uh -huh. uh, it's a, polygamy is a neutral word, much like the word day. If you say rainy day, it's a different thing than if you say, Christ, uh, say sunny day. The adjective changes the definition of the neutral word. Yes. And the same thing with Mormon polygamy. In at 1994, the uh, is a brand new movement called Christian polygamy, which has nothing to do with Mormonism whatsoever. Yeah. And basically, evangelical conservative Christians in regular churches, from Baptists to uh, to Pentecostals, the regular non-Mormons, the Christians that most people, everybody already knows, uh, the serious Bible students in those churches have come to really study the Bible, and the more deeply you look at it, there are too many men in the Bible that had more than one wife, and it was never called a sin, and so the deeper you look, the more you study it, the more you realize that anti-polygamy is not a biblical idea, okay. and is actually an invention of the Catholic institution. Okay. So, because of the internet, other such individuals were able to find each other. Okay. The internet made it possible, in other words. You'd have an individual or two in their church, and another one in their church, and you know, everybody would be isolated, but because of the internet, they could find each other. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So and, because what you're saying is that in the, in the States, there are many groups of Catholics who are uh, living in polygamous lives. No. No, I'm not saying that at all. Okay. Actually, see, Protestantism is born of what was called the historic Reformation in the 1500s and so forth, when basically Protestants said that the Catholic institution was incorrect. Okay. 
okay. in his doctrine. That's why you have Protestant churches now. And what that was called was the Reformation, and it was, the reason for Protestantism was to say that we're supposed to be based on what the Bible says, not on what the Catholic institution creates for doctrine. Okay. Well, within those churches, individuals that are within the Protestants have, have come to realize that the anti-polygamy doctrine is another example of what was created by the Catholic institution and we're saying is incorrect. Mm -hmm. And so these aren't groups, these are individuals, you know, like one or two people in their own church, uh, you know, say in Illinois, another one in Maine, another one in Oregon, you know, and would never have met each other, but because of the internet, everybody coming to study it, realizing it coming together, and that's uh, where it, it began. And so this is actually much larger than just purely a Mormon thing, because actually it's got nothing to do with Mormonism. And, okay. and because of that, we've been laying down the rhetoric and arguments of the, in the polygamy rights movement uh, to the point that now the Truth Bear organization is, you know, we're the leading national uh, organization. And because the Mormon polygamy argument doesn't persuade, we are simply saying that one, yes, it's, 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 it is in the Bible, and two, that we're really about loving women, because if we look around us in our society right now, we are a culture of what we call dumbed-down males, where males are marriage-phobic baby-daddy players, that they're afraid of marriage. So many guys are afraid of marriage, and there's too many abandoned single moms uh, as hamsters in a wheel, working either just to pay for daycare or basically forced to basically give up and just go on welfare and let, you know, let welfare pay for the raising of their children alone. So there's too much deficiency in uh, men being men. They're not. They're being marriage-phobic baby daddy players, boys. They're afraid of marriage. So we're saying it's time for men to really be men and care about women and help women be what they want to be. So this is a, a whole new paradigm, a whole new uh, presupposition that is not about obligating women to polygamy, but rather uh, realizing that too many women are, are being forced to either go without or be abandoned single moms or to not have any real good men. And we're saying that really laissez-faire, free economic conservatism, mm -hmm. limited government conservatism, is that let the real men be real men and, and, and help women be what they want to be. And, and intelligent women would much rather be uh, you know, uh, one of two or three wives of a good man than the only wife of a jerk. Okay. Um, the, tell, can you tell me a little bit about the benefits of, the, of polygamy? Well, of course it goes to the reasons why you apply it. So again, remember the difference between Mormon polygamy, Christian polygamy, and other things. So Polygamy is not monolithic any more than monogamy is. Some people, you know, you'll have abusive monogamists and you'll have good monogamists. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. So it's really about the relationship. At, at the end of the day, the only polygamy that's going to really succeed is going to be where a man is really growing up in maturity and caring about women. Because... After all, intelligent women are not going to put up with a chest pounder guy uh, who's, you know, stepping on their throat. Mm -hmm. 
It's, they're just not going to put up with it. So the only guy who's actually going to attract and draw and be able to keep a polygamous family together is one who loves women, understands how women are. You know, women are not you know this this exterior shell of a of a sum of body parts. You know that guys like. That's just ridiculous. Woman is a wonderful creature within, has a personality off of all her own, and has wonderful uh, input to bring to the family. So. Understanding that, caring about women, helping women be what they want to be. Some women want to work, some women want to stay home. So now this gives choice to women. One woman who would like to be able to work can do so with the confidence and freedom knowing that, say, another wife that wants to stay home on her own choice is able to do so and actually help raise the children with the same love and values that that family already has within their own personal interdynamics. Okay. Gives women a choice. Okay. Uh, but right now, since it's not uh, uh, it's not legal, the women who live in the polygamous uh, families can't really be out in the open, right? Well, what normally happens, and first of all, let me clarify that what we're talking about when we're talking about the polygamy rights movement, we're talking about consenting adults. We're not talking about underage. We're not talking about forced marriage. We're not talking about coercion where the women are forced into any situation. We're talking about consenting adults. And while typically the law does uh, prevent the opportunity of getting a second or third marriage license, uh, maybe the first wife will probably have a legal marriage license, and then the second or third wife will be more of a cohabitationing uh the government would look at it as basically a live-in girlfriend that the married couple agrees. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But in term, but marriage is not defined by government. You know, government is uh, just a, a socialist invention, and it certainly has no legitimate authority for defining uh, marriage. Marriage goes back to God and goes back to the Bible. Uh, and those who would use, say, for example, the Adam and Eve story to justify using government to define marriage are actually being liberals themselves because you, Adam and Eve were never married by a government. Mm -hmm. It never happened. So they're inventing liberalism themselves to use that argument. Okay. And do you yourself uh, live in a polygamous marriage? Uh, because of the legalities of issues, I don't address. The, I don't uh, answer that question. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm the national polygamy advocate. Uh, you know, so my face and name is uh, is out there. Uh, so <laughs> that obviously poses great risk to my personal family, and I, above all else, will protect my family. Okay. And uh, I was wondering about your organization, uh, Truthbearer. Right. Like, how many uh, people are there in this uh, organization? Well, that that's also a number that we don't answer uh, because of the risk that poses to us. Okay. We are we are a, a cross-denominational parachurch support organization, meaning that we are not a new religion. We're not a, a new denomination. Uh, you know, we've got uh, we provide support to individuals and uh, as well as pastors and others that need support. In, under, in, in either bringing this to other people or in dealing with some of the uh, situations that people bring to them. The, uh, the problem is, is that until now, uh, a person... See, understand, we're not talking about newbies or, or lascivious, lustful, you know, swinger type of individuals. We're talking about real pro-family, really caring about women, and real deep Bible studiers who really look and realize that 
the idea of using government to define this is actually created socialism. You know, can you imagine one customer per one company? I mean, that's really the same concept that it, it, that that it, one for each, so that each might have one, is socialism and limits the incentive for men to be real men and develop real good marriage uh, marriage marriage skills, so that w- that they would be attractive to women. Uh, Dr. Joyce Brothers uh, said back in 1994, I would rather be third in line of a good man than the only wife of a jerk. But, but that's the problem, that, that right now we've created such a socialism that uh, if you have a society of ten men and ten women, and nine of those men are jerks, you've created socialist tyranny on nine of those women. They don't have a choice. They're forced to take a jerk. Um, I have like a, a practical question. Sure. Sure. Uh, if one man has uh, m- more than one wife, aren't there going to be like a surplus of men? That is like the uh, that again is goes back to the socialist economic theory. What actually happens is what we're talking about is free market laissez-faire economics, real conservatism. Let the market do what the market will do. Okay, and what really will happen is. Right now, we have a surplus of jerk males leaving a landscape littered with abandoned single moms. We have it, it, it's the era of dumbed down males. Okay, so so think about that. So we have such a dearth of such a population of marriage phobic males. So there, so now what's left for legitimate pro marriage males for women? Not much. So we're talking about men who really want marriage and are capable of attracting that. So what we're saying is, is with, with the, 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 the economic theory of laissez-faire economics, free market economics, is that when you give incentive to allow someone to be better, the better you're able to serve more, the more you can serve, right? So that's why, for example, companies that uh, fail to serve their customers go out of business, and that's why those who are really good at serving their customers get more and more business. The same thing is laissez-faire economics in the marriage market. Let men have the incentive to grow and be real caring about it, and if intelligent women truly you know, find a man who, who's worth that more than uh, all the jerks around them, then that's their free choice to, con- to choose to do that. Now, in the end, what that'll create is actually equilibrium. Because as more and more of the jerks realize that they're being the jerks, that they're being the children and not being male adults, and they're losing out to the men who are growing up, suddenly they have an incentive to grow up too. And then that'll balance it all back out. It doesn't, you know, just because polygamy becomes decriminalized, you know, does society really believe 75, 80% of women are suddenly overnight going to say, oh boy, I want to be a polygamous wife. Of course that's not going to happen. Okay. Um, I, w- I w- wanted to ask you also about the television series uh, Big Love, yes. HBO. Uh, what uh, do you and your organization uh, think about uh, the characters uh, portrayed in this uh, series? It was a very interesting episode. At first, it started off uh, with more gratuitous sex scenes than was really necessary, but they... Uh, balanced it out by the time the uh, by the end of the series they weren't using any, those kinds of scenes and so we were pleased about that. Uh, it did demonstrate the that the ridiculous fantasy that polygamy is about sex for the man was overcome. I mean that's just that's such a ridiculous stereotype that is so untrue. 
Because women are more than sexual body parts, for crying out loud. Women are wonderful. And women have individual personalities, as HBO's show clearly shows, uh, just on one example, that women have different personalities. And because of that, you've really got to have a maturity to be able to deal with the different dynamics that takes place with multiple personality uh, coming together in, as one family. So it, it, it definitely overcame the ridiculous untrue stereotype that it's all about, you know, the, the sex for the man. That's ridiculous. If anything, it shows that it really is, can be a, a pain in the neck, and you really got to be mature about it. I would say that, did you see the conclusion that happened this week? Uh, the no, final episode. I missed a lot. I, I, I'm gonna, I have it on. It's probably one of the best ones to say, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's certainly a cliffhanger meant to carry you to the next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really demonstrated the reality of the anti-polygamous ter- tyranny on the on normal consenting adult polygamists, because the the tyranny that comes down upon this family in this situation, and what was good to see is they all rallied together. But there was no reason for the devastation to occur purely except for the busybody having no legitimate reason to be coming against the family, and and. And it, that was that was good for people, I think, who that see the show to see because there's nothing short of tyranny of what happens in that scene in that situation. Because bottom line is what consenting adults, polygamists do is absolutely none of your business. And if you think otherwise, you're a Marxist communist and you don't even deserve to vote. Okay. And um, maybe one last uh, question. Uh, what ideally, like, what would you want for a polygamy in your country? We are not after legalization. No? No. We are after decriminalization. Okay. We say that polygamy rights is the next civil rights battle. That's my soundbite. However, you have to understand what that really means. We are saying we have the answer, the solution, to end the marriage debate altogether. Our solution is true conservatism. It is a win-win solution, both for conservatives as well as for homosexuals. The win-win solution is this. Government never had legitimate authority to be defining and being involved in marriage in the first place. Anyone who thinks so is a big government liberal. Every, every conservative pretending to, they believe government should define marriage is a liar. They are a big government liberal. They believe in big government. So what we're doing is we're giving conservatives the ability to save face, saying, you know what, let's get back to our conservative roots of limited government. Get government out of defining marriage whatsoever. And that the only legitimate place for government at all in marriage is at the municipal level as a repository of the public records of the contractual arrangements that consenting adults make, and that's it. There's no involvement in defining it. There's no involvement in social engineering liberal policy. There, it is a, in the matter of consenting adult contractual arrangements. Stop having government define it anyway. And the government that can't define it either way then has no authority to define it, whether it's for one, those who choose one man, one woman, or those who choose same-sex marriage. And what that also does is that protects uh, the Christian churches by because if government is not involved in defining marriage whatsoever, 
then homosexuals in the future will never have the authority to use big government to force churches to marry homosexuals. Because government won't have the authority to be involved in marriage either way. That will protect churches from that coming tyranny. But it will also allow homosexuals to, to perceive that they're having equal rights with those who choose one man, one woman. So they have the... So it's a win-win, both for conservatives saving face to get back to conservative limited government principles, and for homosexuals seeking so-called equality with those who choose one man, one woman. And so what we're saying is that polygamy rights, our argument is to stop having government define marriage either way, and therefore everybody is free, and nobody is forced to acknowledge another individual's for, uh, definition. That's the true conservative solution. Okay. All right. Well, I think uh, this answered my question. Sure. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to uh, say about it? Uh, well, just that um, I wanted to make sure that uh, you got our spelling correctly. Yes. Uh, and also, when you mentioned uh, we are uh, we're not a group, we're an organization. Okay. Uh, and also, when you refer to us, we are uh, truthbearer.org organization, and the capital T, and please also capitalize the B also. Okay. And so we're, you know, it, and we were, we're referred to as uh, the truthbearer.org organization. Okay. Will you be having uh, an online uh, version of this article? Um, yes, uh, uh, but you have to remind me because <laughs> I tend to forget these things. I understand. Maybe your media uh, people can uh, send me an email just to uh, as a reminder. Okay. And also it's going to be written in French. So, uh, uh, well, yeah, I, I realize that. Uh, the last thing I did want to say yep. is that this is imperative that you understand right, that the polygamy rights movement is not associated with Mormonism, Although Mormons, basically Mormons understand they have not been able to succeed for 150 years, but we are now because of our arguments. We are so pro-woman, and we believe in what we call, the standard is called Love Not Force. In fact, there's a website called lovenotforce.com. And that standard is that a husband cannot force polygamy on an existing wife unless she embraces it too. He loves her, and that she she accepts it too. So we're talking about consenting adults in every situation, including the bringing in of another wife with the consent of the existing wife. Okay. Uh, that's important, you know, because we are not for the tyranny uh, or oppression of women, and we are not for underage anything. Okay. Uh, also, maybe I'd li I have like an, another question. Sure. What are your uh, concrete actions? Like, do you is it like solely on the internet, or do you do like? Uh, we're doing a number of things that uh, we have what's called the Truth Bear Agenda, and that is the the house. We use an analogy called the House of Cards. Are you familiar with what a House of Cards is? No, I'm not. If you build, uh, you take, you know, playing cards, fifty-two a deck of fifty-two cards, yeah. and you know, and you, you basically put squares, and you can build them up and build them up, so it builds like what's called a card house, a House of Cards. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that? Yes, I think. Yeah. Okay, you know, something we may have done as children. Okay. A house of cards, of course, is very, very flimsy, right? I mean, if you knock out the first floor, what happens? It's the whole Immediately comes crashing down. Exactly. So we, we realized that anti-polygamy thinking in society is a house of cards. And the first floor holding up that house of cards is our fellow conservative evangelical Christians. Not that everybody one is. This is just the first floor that, that's holding that up. These individuals, we are those individuals. We, we come from the same 
paradigm. We are the believers of the Bible. We are the believers that really study it and believe that uh, you know, pro-family and that uh, children definitely need a father and a mother. Uh, we definitely believe uh, in all the standard you know, evangelical conservative Christian paradigms. As we persuade our fellow Christians in what we're called continuing the Reformation, that one, this is very biblical, Two, this is very pro-woman, caring about women, especially in our society's current era of dumbed-down males and, and marriage-phobic males, that we are providing a solution. As we persuade them, persuade basically our fellow conservatives, we effectively kick out that first floor of anti-polygamy thinking. What other constituencies then remain? Liberals have to accept consenting another floor, have, excuse me, Liberals are another floor in the House of Cards, but they're higher up. Liberals, uh, their tolerance dogma automatically requires liberals to accept consenting adults' polygamy. Automatically. They, end of discussion. So that's an easily persuaded constituency. Uh, uh, feminists have to agree that if a woman of intelligence c chooses to have a good man instead of consent, even if he's a polygamist, instead of chooses to be the only wife of a jerk. Feminist logic requires feminists to also accept a woman's choice if that's what she chooses. Cultural conservatives that want to provide a solution to help get single abandoned moms off of welfare and, and off the perils and actually help uh, this in the society certainly can see the advantages that this can uh, this can present to uh, society and to single abandoned, abandoned single moms. So that that constituency is persuaded, and pretty much everybody else is pretty much laissez-faire and could care less what consenting adults choose to do. So really what we're doing is we are kicking out that first floor of the House of Cards of persuading our fellow conservatives, conservative Christians, that this is biblical and that true conservatism gets government out of it all together to protect all of us. And as we do that, that's how we are uh, growing, and we're therefore creating uh, a safe opportunity for politicians to uh, repeal the bigamy laws, because they need to have political constituencies that won't vote them out of office for doing so. Okay. So that's what we call the, the, uh, the truth bear agenda. We're basically uh, knocking down that first floor, uh, and as we do so, uh, both with information, uh, press releases, PR campaigns, and... Uh, some other political things we're doing uh, behind the scenes that we got to uh, kind of hold our cards close to the chest at this time. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you very much. Mm -hmm. uh, so my article will probably be published in about a month, so I'll make sure to send it on my copy uh, to your media uh, people. Oh, I appreciate that. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Now. Yeah, bye-bye. Mark Henkel is National Polygamy Advocate. Presented polygamy to the public since 1994. NationalPolygamyAdvocate.com